As the racing season winds down, the separation season begins. Now, when I say separation season, I don't mean the season to separate yourself from racing, although that's exactly what many of your competitors are doing. And that provides an opportunity for you to separate from the pack. Within This Is Bracket Racing Elite, we focus on growth year-round, but the gains, they're, they're small, they're incremental during race season for two reasons. Number one, because your attention as a racer is split, right? You've got upkeep, maintenance, travel, all the things involved with the racing season, in addition to a focus on your own growth. And because other racers are working hard at that time too. It's this time of year, this separation season, where putting in the work can really allow you a leg up on the competition. If you're serious about doing just that, and you'd like to surround yourself with a group of knowledgeable trainers and accountable peers with the tools, the resources, the wisdom to help you take that next step, and perhaps even with the occasional kick in the pants to keep you on track, this is Bracket Racing Elite is the answer. We've helped thousands of racers just like you take the next step toward becoming the best version of themselves on the racetrack. Elite can help you do the same. Enrollment is open as of Monday, November 27th, and it closes December 8th. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite. We'd like to welcome IHRA back for the 2019 season, partnering with the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. IHRA will once again be bringing the Summit Sportsman Spectacular Series to IHRA tracks all over the country. They kick off the season February 1st through 3rd at State Capitol Raceway in Port Allen, Louisiana. Stay tuned for more details. BTE builds products that you can depend on, whether it's a complete power glide transmission, a torque converter for your specific combination, or any related component or bolt-on item. The professionals at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed. Shop online at bteracing.com. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. I'm Big Jed, Jared Pennington. He's Cool Hand Luke Bogacki. If you're a regular listener, thank you for your patronage. If you're new, you'll probably catch on soon enough. Our goal is to shed some light on the events, news, and issues in sportsman drag racing and the stars within it. This offseason, it is our goal here on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast to interview each of the 2018 world champions, the NHRA Sportsman Champions, the NHRA Summit ET Series Champions, and the IHRA Summit Super Series Champions. Today's show is an extension of that pursuit. Today, we welcome 2018 NHRA Top Sportsman World Champion, Ronnie Proctor, to the show. Time for the big interview on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast with Luke and Jed. Right, joining us now, 2018 NHRA Top Sportsman World Champion, Ronnie Proctor. And honestly, a guy that if you can name it in the Top Sportsman category, 
at some point, Ronnie Proctor's won it. IHRA divisional events, IHRA national events, PDRA, Battle of the Belts, obviously success within NHRA. Ronnie Proctor has done it all. Ronnie, welcome to the show, and thanks for joining us on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. My pleasure. Glad to be here. Uh, congratulations, obviously, on an epic 2018 season, and we'll get to that. We'll try to dissect that bit by bit. But I would assume now most of us, myself included, know you for driving a 200-mile-an-hour top sportsman car to as close to perfection as that can be done. But I would can only assume that your racing career did not start in a 200-mile-an-hour top sportsman car. Take me back to how you got introduced to the sport and a little bit of your progression to this point. Well, I was kind of a black sheep of the family. My brothers and all, they all hunted, fished, and I loved racing. So I uh, had a 72 Mach 1 that hardly runs 17s and loved it and just kept going and on and on. And, and I gave up all my, anything I ever did, you know, the, the, the fishing, the hunting, the drinking, the running around, I gave all that up to do this racing that I just had a passion for. I, I love, 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 loved it. And a little afraid of going fast. It's worth I got scared to death when I went from 1220 to 1150 from one weekend to the other. And I, I said, you know, maybe this is it for me. And then look at me now. So, uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it was that, it was just, we came on, run the local bracket racing and run some money races. And then it got to where you didn't know who was doing what I'm talking about. That was around the uh, dirty dozen time. And you didn't know, who you was running against and anything like that. And, and it just took the fun out of it. So we decided we would run around, run all the Ford races and some of the local money races. And then I was at a Ford race and got a ride in one of uh, Bob Lynn's old cars, went 797. And I had a 750 dragster at the time. And I would trade that one run for 500 runs going 750. That was what a ride, what a trip. And I just knew right then and there I was going to a fast door car. So that's when that's you became a door car guy, huh? There you go. That's for a fast door car guy, that's for sure. Sure. So, Wait, uh, I had time frame wise. I had door cars. I had door cars all the way up until uh, probably 98, 97. And figured if I was going to compete, I had to get a dragster. So uh, that's where we, uh, you know, that's that's when we went to the dragster. And then it was the most boring ride down the track. You just point them, and, and that's all there is to it. So I was actually thinking about quitting until I got that ride in that Glidden car. So that's how that went. And what year was that, roughly? That was, that had to be, oh, and that obviously paved the way into what ultimately became top became top sportsman. What was that progression yeah. like for you? You sell the dragster, get oh, right into a tube chassis car? Yep. Well, what had happened, we went to, um, I took the engine out of the dragster. It was a 540 SVO motor. And I put it in the, and uh, let me back up. I, when we got back from the Ford race, I went to uh, Capital that when Jim Cunningham run it and was still alive. And uh, and I went over and asked him if he had any of this old pro stock cars. And he said he had a uh, a 
98 or a 99 probe that he wanted to sell. So I sold the Draxler, bought the probe, put the 540 motor in it, and it run 80s, 780s, you know, in good air. And then we had went up to Martin, Michigan, or Milan, Michigan, to run a national event and barely got in. I had put nitrous on the 632 and barely got in, like, by a couple thousand. So we we figured we was either do it or back up. So we went and bought a 706 with two stages on it from Gugliata, Frank Gugliata, and that's how we went, you know. And the rest was, you know, the faster and faster. And then the probe got to where we were going faster than that car was built for, and there we go. All Ford stuff all the way along the line, right? Oh, yeah. I, I had a, yeah, I'm with a Chevy guy back when I was a teenager, and I go, man, you know, Chevrolets are like, you know what I mean. But everybody's got them. And uh, <laughs> so I just. I think I know where I you were going there. Yeah, there you go. So I didn't want to, you know, I, I couldn't find anybody to argue with or, you know, compare, you know. So I went to Ford and, and hey, any anything man built is junk. It'll break. It'll cost you money. All the above. If you're racing, I don't care what flavor you're racing, it's going to cost you money. And the only thing about the, the GM stuff is it's more plentiful. You have. You can buy a five hundred dollar set of heads, pair of heads all the way up to fifty thousand dollar pair of heads. Uh, on a Ford, you have a real cheap head. You got a real expensive, or let me back up. You have a, a head you would run on a street car, and then you have a head that you'd run, you know, with seventeen hundred horsepower. You know, nothing right. in between. One extreme to the other is, is a problem. Exactly, the word GM had a whole lot of. You know, and you could buy a lot of it used and all that. So that was the only downfall. And my engines now cost the same money or less than a comparable GM motor. With my heads and I buy the same rod, the same pistons, my block's a little more expensive. I buy the same crank, same valve, same springs. You know, I, I buy the same rockers. So back in the day, it was more expensive to run a Ford, but not now. Not in the class that I'm running that anyhow. Yeah, I would assume you get to that level. You're going uh, as fast as you're going in top sportsman. Like, there's no cheap way to do it. I imagine everything kind of equalizes to some extent. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. uh, And uh, I'm just. I wanted. It's just my wife and I, and I'm saying that in a great way. I love exactly the way we race and. So I can't build something that's big and not durable that you have to work on between every rounds and everything. My car is as the only issue between my car and a regular bracket car. I bring it back. I put the charger on it. I, I change, pull the nitrous model out, throw it in the cooler so I can refill it. She's packing chutes. We fuel it up, and we're set there. You know, well, I go socialize it, but we, we sat there, you know, waiting on the next round. That's how I had to build my engines. Now, the only downfall with, to, to keep it from, not a downfall, but the only thing that keeps me from running a big bracket race somewhere is the valve train's not that durable. So I'm pushing it up and, and pulling it back with a golf cart, and you know how ground robin and bracket racing together. So, you know, I, I get that there's no way I can keep up in other words so sure 
but but it's a really really durable low maintenance piece. Most of my engines. Because that format or setup, like that two-person team in general, much less man and wife, that's fairly unique in the top sportsman category. Correct? Yes. Yeah. Right. Yep. It, and when I went in, when I was deciding to go into top sportsman racing, it's either go big cubic inch and naturally aspirated or smaller cubic inch and, and nitrous. And, and I was totally always against nitrous. You know, I just figured nitrous was for somebody that didn't know how to build a motor. So anyway, nitrous was so easy to tune. I can go up to Skyview, New York. This thing has a four-inch transition from the concrete to the asphalt. So you know what that does to my type of car. So I have to slow it way down. And I put a 150 shot in it. And then the next week, I go to Norwalk, Ohio, that I have to run 680 to qualify. You know, so the nitrous is so daggone easy. I don't have to change converters. All I have to do is change the nitrous tune-up. And it's really consistent. The most consistent power adder that I've seen. Maybe not the fastest, but definitely the most consistent. What's the fastest that you've been to this point, Ronnie? I have been a 647 213 with two stages on my 706 engine. And that was nine the quickest 60 foot up at the 962. And that's all from Jerry Haas's car. They are so quick early. When I went from my 2002 Mustang that I had wrecked because it broke an axle, I had it insured and I, and I got a 09 in 2012 belong to hence Scott and, and Kurt Hintz in Odessa, Texas. Well, I took my identical driveline, the same driveline, put it over in the 09 car, and it was the same weight, the same wheelbase, same tune-up. It picked up a half a tenth just in the 60-foot. Picked up a tenth and a half in the eighth mile with the same tune-up. Oh, it's crazy. This thing was, it almost threw me in the back seat. This thing, take off. When you're not ready for 960s, I mean, I don't know what them guys do with sub nine second, uh, point nine test runs and 60 foot, but I would have wet myself. <laughs> <laughs> As Jed would say, you might have peed a little. Quite a testament to, to Jerry Haas there, it sounds like. Oh, yeah. Oh, awesome. I don't think I wouldn't know any other. And the guy's so daggone nice and, and has terrific customer service. That's, that's his main thing. It's, I can call him on a Sunday afternoon, a Sunday morning, anytime, and I've never bought a car from him, you know. And mm-hmm. and that's the, the he he really cares about anybody. He wants to see his cars do good, and, and nobody struggle with his cars. And uh, it's got a big tuning window, and you know, it's really if you can't get my car down the track, you really messed up. You're you're out way way out there in left field because it's got such a big tuning window, you can make it go down the track with major changes. Uh, let's talk a little bit about your 2018 season because it's obviously one that you will never forget. Never. This was this is your first NHRA national championship, but it's not like you've been a stranger to success. You were 10th nationally the year prior, won the Division 1 championship in 2016. Did either of those um, title chases like prepare you for ultimately this championship run or maybe the, the pressures of being involved in it down the stretch? Well, actually, 
I've been racing so long. I'm I'm wound up being the old guy at the racetrack now. But <laughs> what what happened is I ended up running up in uh, division races. Now I've been running top sportsman since o two o three, and I have runnered up over an IHRA. I think it was two times to division championship. Then I go over to NHRA, and I think I was three times where I run it up. And then NHRA, it turned around. It, I lost two of those championships at the last race. So it, it got to be, I was counting points. I was watching, and I was wishing somebody would lose. So I wouldn't lose. You know what I mean? So I made myself not, I don't want to hear anything about any points we'll look at them at the end of the year and see where we're at. So yes, it kind of prepared me for this run, but believe it or not, I was not the world championship. I mean, come on besides Jeffrey makes it look easy, but you know, it's, it's not that easy out there, especially with the competition that you have. And so I turned around and, and was just, we do the same thing every year. We, we get, the local races, Yellow Bullet, Shakedown, uh, Race Up Island Driveway, Five Grand Race. You know, these, these local races for top sports, and we put those on our schedule. We put the PDRA, NHRA, and then whichever one we're doing best at at the end of the year, that's when we go, the one we go to, that concentrate one. So what I'm saying is when we started out in Gainesville, that wasn't even a thought. The world championship, just, hey, please let me stay in the top ten. Uh, keep the head out of the butt and, you know, and stop overthinking. That was my goal this year is to stop overthinking. And I was just terrible for that. That was our main goal. A, a world championship, we wasn't even thinking about. Uh, At what point you know, in the season? Day, sure. You Now, you go to Gainesville, like you say, win that first national event of the season. At what point? You, I know you just said you don't really look at points until the end, but it, yep. it started. It had to be adding up a little bit, at least mentally. You win that first national event. You win, what, the third, second or third points meet that you go to up at Richmond. Was there a yep. point in the season where you kind of sat back and said, we actually have a shot at this thing? But, you know, the only time I felt that we had a shot at the world championship was after we won Charlotte national event. Believe it or not, I did not, you know, our goal then was just to stay in the top five because VP has a great fuel program for us. If you in a, with the top 10 in the world, they have a, a great fuel program for the top five and the top, you know, six through 10. So my goal was to stay in the top five and sure. Yep. It's good to hear you say that because I felt like we were slighting you a little bit after the fact. All we did was talk about J.R. Loebner and Doug Cromlich on the yep. Sports and Drag Racing podcast, knowing that you yep. had a really good score going but we didn't have many races left. And then right. and J.R. had a bunch of races specifically. Right. You come in yep. to, to Charlotte, and I want to say that he was racing that same weekend. He was at Charlotte, wasn't he? He was. Yeah. Yes, yes, he was. And yep. uh, he falls and whatever it was, second or third round, you go on and win the race. Yep. And all of a sudden, right. you're leading the national points. I'm, right. I'm two rounds ahead <laughs> of him and crumbling. And I'm going, right. what the heck? Now, now, this is because I don't run after those points. Jeff and Jamie Brooks. Jamie will tell me he'll, whether I like it or not. He'll come and tell me. 
hey, you're here, you need to do this, or you're there, you need to do that, or this needs to happen, or whatever. So we come back from the Winter Circle Pictures at Charlotte, and Mike, the guy I've come for, he says, well, this ought to put you pretty good in points. I said, I have no idea, but I assure you, Jamie will call. Ten minutes later, he called. You're in a catbird seat. What's that mean, Jamie? Well, you're leading by two rounds. I said, are you kidding? And then I knew we were all getting down there. Now, that's when I thought it could be possible. And then it had a lot of planning and all that. <laughs> sure, we, about we where talked. where we were going. Yeah, oh, we yeah, talked I off the your, air. I heard your, <laughs> so, yeah, I heard your, uh, your a couple podcasts. Well, first I heard my son-in-law listened to him religiously, but he's a racket racer and races everywhere and all that. So he turned around and he said, man, they mentioned your name. And what are you talking about? So he plays it for me, and that was when everybody was picking who was going to win the world. So you knew Jeffrey wasn't going to run, and... You knew Marco wasn't going to run, so somebody picked me there. And uh, in in your, in your, in in that one second. So somebody picked me up and wow. And then he got later here in the year, that's when you were talking about, okay, Ronnie will be going to Rockingham and he's going to sit back and watch the, you figured JR was going to Oklahoma or somewhere. Yeah, I speculated he'd be at Noble, right? Yep, and then we both were going to sit there and watch Crumlick at Vegas. So I heard that that deal there, and so yeah. I, but listen, you wouldn't hurt my feelings. I'd, I'd much <laughs> rather uh, I'd much rather you talked about them and and put the spotlight on them than turn around and have them. Uh, they cut me. Everybody cuts me no slack anyhow. I'm just the old man to stop on. So that's why I have to go ahead here and raise like I do. So, well, as uh, it ends up, like that's not the way that it shook down at all. You shared a little bit of this story off the air, but when you get done at Charlotte, your plan initially was to go to Rockingham. I think it was the next weekend to get your last yeah. divisional claim. Talk me, talk us through that and how that changed and the logistics of ending up doing what you did do for your last division race. Well, I actually left the all that month. I had my last four races of the season was supposed to be all in North Carolina, from Darlington to Rockingham to Charlotte, and I went down to Reynolds to for a points race. So, Greg Slack, he lives like thirty, forty minutes away from Charlotte, and he was just in a good area, and he had the room for me to park my trailer there. So, when we got done with Charlotte. My plan was going to Rockingham the next week, so we took a trailer over there. I came home, and then uh, Sam Wilkins calls me Monday. Well, what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to Rockingham. You better think about that, because with PDRA running at Virginia, there might just be four-round races at Rockingham. Might not have very many cars. So I go, man, you know, I didn't think of that. What? He, and that's so he to, me, not I, to interrupt you, but that's exactly what transpired, right? Rockingham ended up being a yes. four-round race. Yes. Well, no, they they did wind up having five okay. rounds. Yeah, they had eighteen cars, so just they barely, had right. just barely, right? But it wasn't worth a chance, especially when I my worst race was a third-round loss, so I'd have to win third round to start getting points. And if it was only a four-round race, then, you know, I could come up with two rounds at the most if I won the race. So he was trying to talk me into going to St. Louis. And I said, nah, man, I'm not, because that was the same weekend as Rockingham. 
I said, I would have to go all the way to Greg Slack's place at six hours, then 12 hours to, to St. Louis. I said, no, I, and this was Monday. You know, I'd have to be doing this, you know, two days later. I said, no, there's no way I'm doing that. So <laughs> left everything alone. And then Marco Bruzzi calls me Wednesday. Well, what you going to do? Here we go again. <laughs> so, so I told him and uh, he said, you need to go to Vex. What do you mean? He said, Rockingham, okay, let's just say there's 18 cars, 16 cars. He said, 10, 12 of them going to be heavy hitters. He said, you go out to Vegas. He said, the biggest part of those guys race two or three times a year, and it's a lot of them. And he said, that's where you really need to go. And Plus, it's a so six-round race, so there's... Exactly. Right. See, that, that was the main thing, because it was a six-round race, 64 they qualify 64 cars, so six rounds. So I knew JR and Doug was going to go out there, or I was sure they were going to go out there because of the six rounds. Because I was only two rounds ahead of them. Doug needed to win third round, but JR only needed to win second round. So mm-hmm. he was the one I was worried about staying door to door. So anyhow, that's that's what made us. We wound up. I didn't mention to you this has been the best, worst season I ever had. I have broke more stuff this year <laughs> than I have in the past 10 years. And we definitely work for this. I've swapped engines four times this year. Oh, wow. And yeah. And I had to put a cam in it the week before Charlotte. I had to put change motors because the Virginia race, I was supposed to put the car in the trailer, uh, on Friday and broke a piston, just disintegrated the piston at the Virginia race on Monday. So mm. it, it, it it's crazy. It was definitely a crazy seat, but we're all good. How about the logistics of getting everything from Greg Slack shop in North Carolina to Las Vegas? Like that's that how do you have a, do you have a mileage on that? What's that that's not close. Well, <laughs> well, what I wound up, no, it's not close at all. But what I wound up doing when we decided not going to Rockham, we turned around and went, uh, I drove to uh, Greg's, picked the trailer up, and went on to Virginia. And uh, Karen went ahead and drove to Virginia. It's like two and a half, three hours. So she met me there, and we went ahead and raced the PDRA at Virginia because we love that race. There's, Usually 80, 90 top sportsman cars, so it's a good race, a uh, fun race. And I love Tommy and uh, Judy Franklin. It was the best thing that ever happened at the DNT was them by it. So anyways, with that said, we, we came home <laughs> after we broke it Monday. I called uh, the guy I run comp for, Mike Mazowski. Moses, I, I mispronounced his name. They tried to teach me that, but I can't pronounce. But anyways, I've run his comp car and I, he, he, uh, works out of his garage. So he, he doesn't punch a clock. And I called him, he's got a toter home. And I called him and asked him if he'd be interested in towing my trailer to Vegas. Because if I set my car out there, I wouldn't have anything. It, it would be rough trying to work out of somebody else's trailer. So, sure. so he said he would, and it was 30, I think it was 35 and a half hour drive over 2,400, 2,500 miles. And there was no way Ronnie Proctor was going to drive that. Uh, he, <laughs> there, there was, there, 
they're just it what it what that couldn't happen because I would have run over somebody with that many miles because I don't like driving the highway anyhow. <laughs> so, anyways, uh, too many stupid people driving in this world. I can't do it. So, anyways, we got my little motor in, got it fired up, put it right in his trailer, or put it right in my trailer. He hooked up, headed out Saturday night, and we flew in. Tuesday evening and tested Wednesday. So he was sitting there waiting on his Tuesday. And then coming back, he wound up getting stuck in Colorado on a mountain in the snow. Oh, jeez. <laughs> so, so anyhow, none of in, it was easy. Let's just put it that way. Right. Yeah, it sounds like the whole year was a, was quite the trial. What? Okay, in between the, the trip out and the trip back, Maybe the the most meaningful pressure packed event of your career. You, as you mentioned, the three contenders are all there: yourself, yep. Jared Lobner, Doug Cromlich. Everybody knows what's at stake. Everybody's counting the yep. points. Knows what has to happen. Uh, yep. Having been there specifically at that race, because if anybody at the facility doesn't know exactly what's going on, Reinhardt's up there on the yeah. mic reminding everybody every single round. <laughs> every what round, is? Yep. To, just for our listeners, like, what is that like to experience that, to be in that position, win or lose? It was absolutely, uh, I'll fall back to what I made myself do through the year, and that's keep my head out of my tail, do my thing. And I woke up in the middle of the night, Friday night, because, of course, they give you reaction times, and, and, and when you get the ladder, I don't know them guys. So I look at my guy and he's 008, 009, 11 on his qualifying run. I look at Crumlick guy and I work at, look at JR's guy and I go, man, they could hit their butts. So they got easy <laughs> first rounds. So, so I see that on Friday night. So in the middle of the night, I woke up and I start, man, if I lose, I'm going to let so many people down. And I go, I couldn't go back to sleep. It was just, and, and then uh, Karen got up and she reads this uh, morning. I think it's called a morning prayer or morning, morning, something morning message or something like that. She goes, Hey, you got to read this. So she handed it to me and it says, give it to God. And I said, man, you know, there you go. He got me here. Let's just give it up. It is what it is. There's nothing I can do about it. It's going to be what it's going to be. So I go out there and I think I'm doubling four first round and, and lifting. So everything, the day. Now, going up for first round, I, I always go up late and I always wanted to be behind those two guys. You know, I wanted to, I just yeah, wanted to, to, to see, see how they were doing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when uh, JR, I heard that he had run out, I said, you know, my jaw dropped. I, I about fell over. And I know he probably went on suicide watch down there because he had the guy by a ton, you know, and just hauled the finish line and run out. And then the second round, I followed uh, Doug up, and he was the pair right in front of me. So I'm behind the guy in the right lane that beat him, and uh, Doug's in the left. So the guy in the right lane takes off, and I, I really thought the light was going to roll red. And I'm watching and watching. All of a sudden, his light comes on, and I go, Karen jumps in front of the car. She's screaming, we got it, we got it. And, and then she starts crying. And, 
And then everybody's talking to her, and, and I go, y'all need to get out of the way. I need to get, you know, I'm in a race right here. And uh, and Robichek's already did his burnout, so, so I had to shoot him out of the way so I could go ahead and do my burnout run this race. So, anyways, uh, it was awesome. It, it's just, hey, living the dream, that's all. That is cool. I didn't. I, I, uh, I knew that it was ultimately a, a wind light not coming on for one of the competitors that sealed it for you. I did not realize you were sitting in the water. So that's got to be cool. Yep. Everybody get out yep. of the way. Yep. I, I got to go 200 mile an hour now. Yep. <laughs> yeah, exactly right. <laughs> and, uh, and, and what made me really feel good about it, I'm getting back into it. Uh, and that was what, what I was worried about. Again, I didn't want to sit there and hope for somebody to lose you know, in order for me to win this championship. So I went to the fourth round. I lost in the fourth round. So I gained a round on them. So I went the farthest out of us three. So I really felt like I deserved it. So even uh, if those guys had gone some rounds, you made it really tough. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Yep. And so it was all good. It was, it, it was a, I won't say a dream come true because it was so far out of reach that I never even dreamt it. You know, that's that. that Serious business that I've well, never even dreamt it. So. And that sets up now because obviously it's it's uh, difficult. There's only one way to live up to last season. But um, what's next? What's <laughs> yep. next for uh, for Ronnie Proctor? Hey, uh, well, what I really like is the win Indy. So we're going there this year. And, That's right, uh, the first year of top sportsman and top dragster, right? Exactly. And Carol Carter, CNC Motorsport. He, he's you know he's a fella that's been around. He's got to be, you'd think he's 100 years old. He looks like he's 55. But uh, anyhow, he pro-stop race back in the day. And, and uh, he said, well, are you going to quit? And I said, no. He said, well, you know, some guys quit when they're on top. I said, no, I'm not racing just to win a championship. I'm racing because I love it. And, you know, as long as I still love it, I'm going to continue to do it. And he said, well, you know what you got to do now? Go win Indy. And I go, well, that's what I'll put on my uh, next thing to do is to win Indy. So we're going to be there. uh, It it ought to be fun. Good stuff. Definitely one for the bucket list. Um, I know you've mentioned uh, your wife repeatedly. I'm sure that you've got a long list, but I'll give you the stage. um, People that that played a part in this for you, Ronnie. Who who do you need to thank? Well, Wade above and beyond we were just so blessed i am a i'm a true believer and and i'm a christian i'm not a holy roller and that's bad on my part but i am a believer and i I admit that to anybody so it's god first then my wife i am envied by so many racers especially in my class on how her and i do this you know how we race and, and and go all over the place and do this and it just be in her and i now don't get me wrong we break something we lose a trainer or something we have friends all over the place that's what i love about this class and they come and chip in and help you fix it but i can't say enough about her we are a team 150 percent, and i'm not sucking butt to my wife we've been married too long i don't have to do that anymore so uh anyhow it's just great for her and I. Then we have part-time crews when we're local. Brianna and Rick Proctor, no relation, 
just really good friends, and they help us out. Uh, Skippy Lyle, fella, he he's actually a uh, works at the Smithsonian Institute down in D.C. on dinosaur bones. So, anyways, uh, that that's a whole long story there. And then <laughs> then we got Mike and Pan Mazowski, Mazisky, whatever. Uh, they they help us out big time there at the end of the year. Gary Perella that does our web our uh, Facebook page for Proctor Racing. I want to thank him. And then for my sponsors, first is CNC Motorsports is Chris and Carol Carter. And if you're if the, they're great machinists, he's got his own you know he's got his dyno there. And he's been in the business forever. He actually makes Hemi heads. He's got the Patent and you know, he makes hemi heads, four hemi heads, he makes uh blocks, just designed a new head that we're gonna try out this year. It's like a uh blue four head. So we're gonna try that out on my engine this year and compare it to the C head. So anyhow, any anything you need this guy's usually got it, especially in a Ford. So and the next is a local guy, his name's Dave Chu. And it's got Chewy's Automotive and Performance, or I always get that back, Chewy's Performance and Automotive. He uh, is out of Mount Airy, Maryland, and he helps me out with parts and, uh, you know, whatever I need. Uh, so I'd like to thank Dave. And then I have uh, Philip Oakley from Oakley Motorsports in Kentucky. He, uh, for Nitrous Ford guy, he is the one. He taught me so much about a Ford, a Ford engine at Nitrous. He is the beast. Him and uh, him and his son Jay, they they got they put out some good stuff down there, and uh, excellent head guy for sure. And then I have uh, Roy at uh, Mid Atlantic Tire Hoosier, and I have uh, Tim from BP, and I know I'm going to forget somebody called Always Do. And uh, so anyway, <laughs> unfortunately, I that is inevitable. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm getting better uh, at these speeches and get better at their speeches, but it's always uh, I keep forgetting. You know, well, you've had a little uh, bit of practice uh, lately, so that helps. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, That's a good thing. We will let you go, Ronnie. But I, before we let you off the hook, we always uh, close these interviews with what we call a little bit of rapid fire. These are quick questions that are not always racing related. We have a little bit of fun; can be a one-word answer, <laughs> relatively short. So, you up for it? Yeah, absolutely. Let's go right. for it. If you were famous, what would you be famous for? Oh, bag on racing. <laughs> I, I guess in that I regard, mean, you are famous, Ronnie yeah, Proctor. I mean, um, well, not as not as famous as John Forrest, but I'm, you know, not bad. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Favorite uh, favorite racetrack? That would have to be the greatest racetrack is Charlotte. I mean, it, that's immaculate. But Norwalk is my actual favorite. But Virginia is becoming my favorite. So they are that track is. Unbelievable. Almost puts you to sleep going down a track. It's so smooth. What supply in your household is running low? At the present moment, Mountain Dews. Oh, that could be a problem. (laughs) Especially for me. (laughs) If you could uh, choose your nickname, what would it be? That's a little tough. That's on the spot. Stud Muffin. I mean, no, it, I think it's dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> I don't 
a nickname for me, uh, shoot. Oh my God. I have no idea. Uh, I'm called old man all the time, but you know, that ain't very good, you know, nickname for me. But, uh, but anyways, I, I wouldn't know. My wife, would, my wife calls me a name, but you know, it, I don't know whether that might not be fit for this podcast. It, exactly. It depends on how mad she is at me. You know, whether it's a one word or two words, <laughs> one, and then the the second word is hold. So there you go. <laughs> uh, okay. If you, uh, if you had a time machine could go back or forward to any time period, where would you go? I would actually go back to about 30 and know what I know now, man, I would love to go back there. And, and come back through this again. I've always said the there's no downfall for winning the world championship. But if I'd have won this back when I was 30, then there was a better future in my racing. Because that was my biggest dream, was to race for a living. So I would go back in the early, probably late 20s, early 30s, and, and uh, choose my path quicker, you know, on how I got to it now. Sure. So. Good stuff. Well, thank you again, Ronnie Proctor. Once again, 2018 NHRA top sportsman world champion. That's got a nice ring to it, sir. Yes, it does. Yes, it does. Thank you very, very much. Uh, thanks for having me on your show. And my son-in-law, Mark Decker, will totally be tickled to death to listen to it for sure. <laughs> Shout out to Mark Decker. Thanks, Ronnie. There you go. Okay, thank you. I want to thank everybody for tuning in. To make sure that you're the first to know when next week's episode is available, subscribe. And you can do that on Google Play. You can do that on iTunes. You can do that wherever you are accessing our show today. Just subscribe. That way that you know that you have got the latest edition of the podcast. You'll be the first to know. And do us a favor. Tell your friends about the podcast. Get your track involved by broadcasting portions of the Sportsman Drag Racing podcast over the PA on race day. IHRA Summit Sportsman Spectacular season opener kicks off February 1st through 3rd at State Capitol Raceway in Port Allen, Louisiana. The Double Race Weekend is tailored to State Capital Raceway's weekly racing program featuring top, mod, and junior dragsters on Moser Engineering Saturday and Sunday. Top racers will be racing for $5,000 on a $150 entry fee for the weekend, while mod racers will race for $2,500 with only a $100 entry fee for the weekend. Saturday will also feature a Quick 16, Street, and Top Door Slammer classes. So come on out for low entry fees, double entries permitted in Top ET and Mod ET. You'll get track championship points, excellent payouts, all IHRA and NHRA credentials are accepted at the event, a national contingency program is available for all IHRA members who advance to the final rounds each day. The weekend program includes a test and tune, racer appreciation cookout, golf cart race, round prizes will be awarded to top mod and junior competitors during the first through third rounds. Jed and I are proud to partner with Bill Taylor Enterprises. That's BTE here within the podcast. Neither of us, Jed or myself, are strangers to BTE products, services, or customer service. I've personally been using BTE transmissions and converters exclusively since 1998. 
That's 20 years. BTE has quite literally powered every race, every championship, every round that I've won for my entire adult life. My point, they build products that I depend on. BTE builds products that Jed depends on. BTE builds products that you can depend on. Whether it's a complete top dragster or, or top sportsman power glide transmission, a torque converter designed for your specific combination, or any transmission component or bolt-on item, the folks at BTE and Memphis Performance have what you need to succeed in today's ultra-competitive world of sportsman drag racing. Shop online at BTE Racing. That wraps up this episode of the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast. On behalf of Big Jed, I'd like to thank you for listening. I'd also like to thank this week's championship guest, Ronnie Proctor, for joining us. And, of course, the sponsors who make it possible to present this show. Please support them. And tell us what you think. Message us on the Sportsman Drag Racing Podcast Facebook page or at us on Twitter. I am at Luke Bogacki. That's B-O-G-A-C-K-I. Big Jed is at J-P- 11x banging on the door bump 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 until i get it in attitude like i am already winning in foot breaking in anything bottom ball before pretend i'm rolling in the cutty switch it be like jerry enrollment in this is bracket racing elite is now open you've heard me discuss or at least reference this is bracket racing really elite it is the premier offering of our website, thisisbracketracing.com. Elite is a membership community designed specifically to help you get from where you are today as a racer to who you want to be as a racer, led by knowledgeable professionals. Justin Lamb and myself are longtime instructors, and we bring in a host of guests, racers that you know, racers that you respect, led by knowledgeable instructors and surrounded by supportive peers that are ultimately striving for the same goal in their own unique way. The truth is, at each event, there are 100-plus entries. There's one winner. At the end of each season, there's one champion. That feeling, not so much the money, not so much the trophy, that feeling of achievement, that sense of accomplishment, that tip of the cap from your peers, that's why we do this. You can dream of that feeling all you want, or you can take action, take steps toward becoming that racer. If you're ready to take the first step, this is Bracket Racing Elite is for you. Enrollment is open now for a limited time. Learn more at thisisbracketracing.com slash elite before we close the doors again on December the 8th.